Welcome to The Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. How good was Pastor Tony last week? I know I'm biased, but I think his message was amazing. I just caught the team. You're more than welcome to make your way off stage. Thanks, guys. You're awesome. But I think he was amazing last week. I loved his message. And uh, just hanging with people in the cafe afterwards, everyone just, you know, everyone saying, how good was that? Oh, I really needed to hear that. And I want to encourage you, if you weren't here, then you can go onto our app or the website. You can download it. You can watch it. And if you were here, watch it again. I watched it again just this week on the treadmill because it does our heart good. And one of the things he said that I really loved was the fact that about being aware, there's nothing wrong with us being aware. We just have to make sure that we focus on the right things. And so because with the right focus, we are, if we don't have the right focus, all the awareness can distract us onto the little things that really don't matter. Because the more aware we are, what I've discovered, is that the more idealistic and potentially the, more, or the less empathetic we can tend to become. And I, I don't know about you, but as a Christian... And as a believer, I should be one of the most compassionate, generous, kind, loving, forgiving, go the extra mile person around. Do you go? I, it's not just me, guys, just a little hint here. It's any Christian, anyone who believes in Jesus. That's how we should be. The problem is we can be so aware of what's going on, we lose our focus. And it's so easy to focus on the negative. It's so easy to focus on the wrong things. It's so easy to focus on what's missing because of what we know. And it reminds me of a time when I was back, uh, I was a dental nurse before we planted the church and before we had kids. And uh, I was working there and our, our practice was growing and we only had a small space. And so we had a staff room that we all used to sit in and congregate, have lunch, put your bags, put all your stuff in. But as the practice was growing, we didn't have room uh, to expand certain things. And we were doing and making our own um, sort of plates and different things like that. So we, our staff room became staff room slash lab. And how many know that, you know what, food and chemicals tend to be not a great combination. And so one day I took it on myself that I thought, you know what, I may eat the wrong thing one day. So what I'm going to do is I tidied up the staff room. I got all the chemicals and all the uh, food stuff and I went through all the cupboards and I sorted it out, made it all orderly. We had a quiet afternoon. I started, everyone went home and I thought, no, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to finish this. And I left feeling so proud of what I had done. I, you know, there was the little lab section, there's the food section, here's where you can put your bags and there's even a spot where we can sit and have our uh, lunch. And so I went home happy, um, really chuffed with myself, quite proud of what I had done. You know, everyone will be thanking me in the morning. And when I got into the office in the morning, so we're talking not even 12 hours later, I walked in and I noticed that my boss had been there early, he was there before me, but I walked in, I walk in, I opened the staff room door and I am horrified to be met with the benches are full of everything I've just spent the whole afternoon, night sorting out. Everything is out of the cupboards, it's on the benches, it's all mixed in. So without further ado, I storm into where my boss is and I'm like, Steve, are you kidding me? What a way to say thank you. And he just looks at me and he's like, what's she? I'm like, the staff room. He goes, Kath, 
Did you see us? Did I see the staff room? Yes, I saw the staff room. He goes, I suggest you go and look again. So when your boss says, I suggest you go and look again, you probably think, smart idea. So I go back into the staff room. Once I lower my expectation of the benches, I look to the cupboard and all I can see is black charred mess. So I turn around and look at my boss who's followed me in and he says, we had a fire last night. Apparently, somebody put all the chemicals in the cupboard where the uh, hot water system is and there's a thing called spontaneous combustion. (laughs) And you set fire to the building and the fire department said, it's a good thing you closed the door because if you didn't close the door, the whole building would have gone up. Focus. I was aware of how hard I had worked the night before, that when I walked in, I saw the tins on the cupboard. I didn't see the flames or the damage from the fire before. And that's how often we can do life. So we're so aware of what's going on. But if our focus is wrong, we can lose empathy and we can start to become idealistic. And I don't know about you, but... We've been 28 years here in leadership as a church. And human nature doesn't really change. Sin nature is sin nature. Sometimes, yes, we get creative in how we can outwork our sinful nature. But at the end of the day, after 28 years of working with people, you tend to understand patterns and modes of behaviour. And as a leader, it can be very easy when you're sitting with someone who is wanting to talk to you about something that's going on in their life that you can just go, one plus one equals two, here's the answer. Because you're aware of, hey, I've done this before, I know what this is, and you start to then lose your empathy towards the individual you're speaking to and just give them the process or the pattern. Or on the other hand, it can be, oh, I've been here before. You like me now while I'm helping you, but as soon as we turn the tables and I actually not help you how to deal with someone, but I now start to talk to you specifically, you're going to get to a point where you turn that back on me and we're not going to be friends anymore because now I'm touching you. And then that, my awareness of knowing that's going to happen can then affect how I work with them. I can just be going, I'm not touching that because I've done 28 years and I've seen what people in the past have done, my awareness has affected what I'm going to do. It's affected my empathy. And we have to understand that we have a responsibility to see people. We have a responsibility to be empathetic and to love them. And we've got to be very careful what we focus on because how we see things affects, or how, what we focus on affects how we see people how we see our marriage. What you focus on affects how you see your marriage. What you focus on affects how you see relationships. What you focus on affects how you see your employer, your workplace. And dare I say, what we focus on affects how we see the church. And last week, Tony shared a prelude to our series that we want to begin today, The Church, A Place to Be. We want to take some time over these next couple of weeks to be able to look at the purpose and the plan of God for the church because I truly believe that the church is a place to be. 
And I want to, in all graciousness and compassion, have a quick word to those of you who are joining us online. I'm thankful for online, especially right now. There's so many families we're aware of who can't be here this morning because they're in isolation. Either someone has COVID or they've been, um, what do you call it, a close contact with someone. So I'm grateful for online. The danger with online is this. We develop a pattern of that becomes convenient rather than being here. But the church is a place to be. It's not online is the place to be. Thank God for online. Thank God for those who do shift work. And it's an opportunity. But when we start to rely on that, then the actual presence here, the church, is the place to be. You know, online, you can hear me, you can see me, hoping you can feel the Holy Spirit wanting to work in through you. But you know what? Here in the building, when you come in and I see your face and I think, Oh, there's a heart in pain. I can pray for you. When I see someone, hey, I heard the good news. I can give you a hug. Hey, COVID times, I get it. Maybe an elbow bump or whatever. But that acknowledgement of knowing you're in a family, you've been placed here. The church is a place to be. And we want to look at some of those be things that the church is. And this morning, I'm going to talk that my subtitle is the church is a place to belong. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, belong. And if you're online, shout it out. No one can hear. It's awesome. And we're going to read this morning passage of Scripture from Luke chapter 10. And so I'll give you an opportunity to turn to that. It's Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. So you can follow along in your Bibles. It will be up on the screen or online for you to read. But Luke chapter 10, Verse 25 says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Have you ever answered a question to justify your position, only to realise as you say it, you've dobbed yourself in further. Anyone? I remember growing up, we had a little dog. His name was Bobby. He should have been called Houdini. This dog had an, I don't know how, an uncanny knack of being able to get out of anywhere. In fact, he was always at someone else's house 
that to the point that people stopped ringing us to say, your dog's here, they just walked him home. I mean, that dog went to school more than I did. Like the principal would ring and say, the dog's here. So when my parents worked on the weekends, we were under strict instructions of make sure you don't uh, go out the side gate so that it opens so that the dog can get out. So if you're home, he's in the house. If he's out the back, make sure the gate is uh, locked. And one day, one weekend, when my parents were working, obviously Bobby got out and my mum must have got a phone call at work. So when she came home, she was not happy. And uh, she was bailed us all up and was saying, okay, who was it? Who's responsible? Being the older responsible one, straight away I was like, oh, I wasn't even home today. I was out. So I said, well, we know it wasn't me because I haven't been home. I was, and as soon as the words left my mouth, another conversation came in the back of my head, which was before my mum went to work, she said, you're not to go anywhere today. So in my effort to say, I didn't, I'm not responsible for Bobby being missing, I dubbed myself in to say, actually, I'd gone down to the park to meet my mates and then came back before you got home and you would never have known. That's exactly what the expert in the law did. He's like, hey, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you tell me what's written in the law. So he answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and love your neighbour as yourself. Then the scripture says, then he goes, but to justify himself, so obviously conviction of the Holy Spirit, I'm loving some people, but I'm feeling like I'm maybe missing the mark. Say, so, Lord, please tell me, who is my neighbour? Because he had got to a point where he was making scripture suit what he wanted. He was saying, hey, I'm loving people, but he knew in his heart he wasn't loving all people. And so Jesus' answer by sharing that story is to say, I'll tell you, expert in the law, who your neighbour is. Simple. It's everyone. Everyone is your neighbour. And I think that Jesus, the issue that he's addressing in the expert of the law back then would be the same issue that Jesus would be addressing in us right now. Yeah. Hey, Life Adelaide, who is your neighbour? Do you love everyone? Or have you been in a position where you are actually defining what the definition of a neighbour is to something you are comfortable with? Because when I read the story of the Good Samaritan, it's not a doing story to me. And I'm a doer by nature. This is not a doing story. This is a love story. This is a story where Jesus is trying to get everyone's attention to say, do you love everyone? I didn't ask, did you love those you're comfortable with? I didn't ask, do you love those that are within your paradigm of likes or, dis or, or of likes? I asked, do you love everyone? And I think Jesus would be asking us the same question this morning. You see, the problem is when our focus is wrong, it affects our love. Yeah. You see, you can look around at the world today and we can be shocked at some of the laws that are passed, some of the things that are happening. But when our focus is on the sin, yeah. we miss the person yeah that's behind that. And I'm not in any way advocating some of the things that are being done. I'm just saying when we focus on that, 
We forget the person behind it. We lose the empathy. This world is messed up. This world lives with its thumbing its nose at God and what we see is the reaction to that. And Christians, we in a sense should not be shocked. The world's in a mess because they live absent of God. Shock, horror. Like really, should we be shocked about that? But again, that's the fo- if we make the focus, hey, look at the murderer, look at the addict, look at those who are gender confused, look at those who agree with abortion, look at those, look at this, look at... Th- no, that's the, the sin action. But let's not be our... Fo- let's, we're aware of it. I'm aware this world is in a mess. But my focus can't be on those things. My focus has to be on the humanity that's behind it. And at the heart of it, humanity is hurting. Humanity is in a, pa- a place where it doesn't. It thinks it has the answers. We think we know better. We don't. And we have to be a church and a place. And this is what Jesus was addressing. It's not like just love those that we're comfortable with. Not just love those that, hey, see eye to eye that we see. Not just the, oh, those that agree with us. But the Bible is clear. Everyone, love everyone. Who is your neighbour? When we forget empathy, we start to be idealistic. And I've discovered that compassion is not an emotion. Compassion is a choice. And Martin Luther King Jr. says this, The first question which the priest and the Levite asked was, If I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the Good Samaritan flipped the question and he said, If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? Life Adelaide, can I remind you, as I remind myself, I don't have to wait till I feel like loving my neighbour. The command of God is I will choose to love my neighbour. I don't know about you, but do you know that there are certain places that I don't belong? For example holding a scalpel in an operating theatre, in the pilot's seat of an aircraft, or in any form of conversation about quantum physics. Quantum, as far as I am concerned, is one of those little discs, quantum discs that I put in my dishwasher. That's the only thing I know about quantum. (laughs) They're little dishwasher tabs, okay? There are certain places I don't belong, and when I find myself in places where I know intrinsically I don't belong, certain realities manifest. Fear, shame, doubt, rejection, uh, concern. There are certain realities that manifest because I know intrinsically I'm in a place I do not belong. But do you know the vice versa is the same? That when I know... I belong somewhere, there are certain manifestations that come out. So confidence. When I know that this is a place I belong, in my home, I belong in the house that I share, in my marriage with my husband, I belong. So there's a confidence, there's a value, there's a self-worth, there's all these sorts of things that manifest because there's a place I feel and I know that I belong. And I want to tell you, that the church is a place where not only I belong, where not only you belong, but John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the 
world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever, no parameters, no exclusions, no exceptions, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then verse 17 goes on to say, because I didn't come into the world to condemn it, but I came to save it. According to Scripture, the church is a place where everyone belongs. And if that's the reality, you and I have a responsibility to make this house a place that people feel they belong. And we all go, yeah, but you know what? There are things that happen. There are things within us that something happens and we go, it's like, yep, that this morning is what God wants to address in us. The church is a place to belong and you and I as believers, have a responsibility to create an atmosphere where everyone, turn to the neighbour next to you and say, everyone. Now turn to your second choice and say, everyone, because it's everyone. We have a responsibility to create a sense of belonging for those who come into the church. So I just want to quickly share just four thoughts on what belonging is that I can see in the scripture we've read this morning. And the first thing about belonging is belonging is inclusive. See, belonging is not about religious, racial or national barriers. There's no of that barrier to God's compassion. For God so loved the world. He didn't say, for God so loved Australians, he came for Australians. For God so loved Caucasians, he came for. God so loved Asians. No, God so loved the world. There is no barrier to our inclusion and making a sense of belonging. So you have to understand in this story that this was a Jewish man. He said they were coming from Jerusalem to Jericho. A Jewish man through which a priest who was a Jew didn't help. A Levite, again, someone who knew the law, a Jew, didn't help, but a Samaritan. And you have to understand that a Samaritan back in those days was what they would call a half-breed. A Samaritan was a Jew crossed between a Gentile. And the Jewish people thought they were less than this. In fact, Jewish people thought that Samaritans were worse than pagans. So they, there was a disdain, hatred. And remember, it's vice versa, because you treat somebody that way, then they also are going to have that same enmity towards you. So not only did Jews hate Samaritans, Samaritans hated Jews. And so this picture is saying, you know what, this man went against his nature. A man, a priest and a Levite, who this was within the same culture. This was a person of their bloodline and their lineage. This is one of them, pretty much. And they chose not to help. They chose to avoid the plight of their neighbour Whereas a Samaritan, somebody who wasn't one of them, who could have used the same excuse and even more, chose to not let racial lines stop his sense of making someone feel belonging. Let me bring it into today. Is there space in this auditorium and in your heart for the vaccinated and the unvaccinated? That's what we're talking about here. I believe everybody has a choice. And here at Life Adelaide, everyone is welcome. Your decision is up to you. But my responsibility as a believer is to not hold that against you. There may be certain ramifications that some of us have to work through and work by because of our choices. But in this house, everyone is welcome. And I don't look down on you whether you're vaccinated and I don't look down on you whether you're unvaccinated. And I want to see a shift where people accept one another. 
hey, I'm going to be wise in what I do and I want to be smart in that, but I'm not going to be one of those who lord it over to you because I chose to be vaccinated and neither should someone who's chosen not to be vaccinated be made to feel like they've made a better choice because they love their body more. Guys, stop it. It doesn't matter. Where this is a place of belonging. And Ephesians 2, because we look at it and go, well, you know what? That's you should, As a Christian, you should this, you should that. I'm saying Ephesians 2 says you were once an alien, but Jesus came and brought you into God's household. So before you look at someone and judge them and say they're not, they don't belong here because of whatever it is you're thinking, you didn't belong here. None of us belong to you. We're all foreigners and aliens, but we have a seat in heaven. We make it to eternal life, which is what the expert was asking. Why? But Jesus, because he came from the splendour of heaven and loved us enough to be able to say, you belong, not because of anything you've done, but because of what I'm going to do for you. So Life Adelaide, this is a place of belonging. And the, way, the sense we have is we are inclusive. We include everyone. And before you throw at me, you can clap. And we will cover this in weeks to come. Belonging and including everyone doesn't mean accepting sin. That's just whole, don't throw that at me. That's a whole separate conversation that we'll have in the coming weeks. But a sense of belonging that you, Jesus died for you and you and you and you and you and me and everyone. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. There is no one who's excluded. Everyone belongs in the house of God. So belonging involves, is inclusive. Belonging takes risks. You know, the Samaritan took a great risk to actually stop and help that person. It was a notorious stretch of road where people would be robbed and mugged. And so the Samaritan sees the man laying there and in trouble. I mean, it could have been a trap. He could have, I mean, he, he was obviously hurt and in, in trouble, but it could have been like the robbers were waiting nearby for someone to stop and then they got a second victim. Yeah. Or it could have been really good fake blood and fake whatever and he was the stooge laying there with the robbers waiting in bay so when someone stopped, they could then, who knows? The Samaritan didn't stop to think about it. The Samaritan just understood that when I want a sense of belonging, I've got to take risks. And he took a risk to stop and get in Involved. And I want to encourage us to have this to be a place of belonging. We have to start taking some risks. Yeah. You may have to step out of your comfort zone. You may have to actually say hello to someone. You may actually have to step out of your row and go to another row and introduce yourself. Can I encourage you? When we finish in here this morning, the cafe will be open. There's a great opportunity for you to go up to somebody you don't know and share a coffee. Yeah. And it's even easier nowadays because we all have masks on, so it's hard to know who's who. So you can introduce yourself to anybody. <laughs> and the other guarantee is I get, I'm pretty certain, I know that we, this is a place of belonging and there's lots of people here, but I'm pretty certain you won't get mugged in the cafe. Okay? So it's not like the Samaritan risk of being mugged. I'm saying, guys... To create a sense of belonging takes risks. When's the last time you risked with someone? Just say, you know what, I'm going to take a risk that you might be mean to me, you might not be friendly, you, might, you know, we may have different 
worldviews, we may have different political persuasions, we may have different, but you know what? It's worth risking to create a place of belonging, to put that aside and say, yeah, but we all belong, so I'm going to take a risk, get out of my comfort zone. And again, it might not be even, some people say, oh, you know, my clique and I like it. I'm like, I'm saying you don't have to leave your clique. I'm saying just enlarge it. Just keep bringing people in. So let's forget this, oh, not my clique and I'm, let's, oh, they're clicky. I'm like, just, just in, increase your clique. Make your clique bigger. Is that wrong? I heard the sniggers. I'm like, okay, don't go there. <laughs> All right, belonging takes risk. Thirdly, belonging makes time. You know what? The Samaritan wasn't actually just going for a walk. He says he was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was actually on a journey. He actually had purpose. He was doing something. But he interrupted his purpose for the purposes of God. And if we want to create a sense of belonging in Life Adelaide and in this community, then we're actually going to have to make the time. And I want to do, I really want to encourage those of you who come just as the worship starts, or maybe just after, and leaves as soon as we say, see you in the cafe. You will not feel that this is a house of belonging unless you start to make time to be able to belong. And I get it, I understand we've got busy lives, there are things to do, but an extra 20 minutes. Come five minutes early to meet someone. Stay 10 minutes later to have a coffee and extend your time. Belonging makes time. That Samaritan took time out of his journey to attend to the wounds of someone, to be able to make sure that they were okay, to help him and take him to a place. And fourthly, as our band return, belonging is sacrificial. The the Samaritan sacrificed more than just his time and energy He actually used his own possessions. It says that he took out coins, he gave them to the innkeeper, he said to him, hey, here's for what's happened so far. I'm going on my way, but I'm coming back. And when I come back, I'm going to check in with you and if he's used any more, I'll settle his bill. Not just because I've only paid to hear, you only help him to hear. You, You help him and I'll come back and I'll fix you up for it. He offered to come back and church... If Life Adelaide is to be a house of belonging, it's going to take sacrifice. We're going to have to open our homes. As we've gotten larger and in terms of COVID and we're having to have smaller connect groups, there's plenty of opportunities for people to say, I'll open my home for 10 people to come midweek so that we can do life together. Or I'll open my diary so that maybe I could lead one of those opportunities to be able to just gather with God's people and care and love on them. Or I'll open my wallet so that we can provide an opportunity. Dan spoke about giving and the fact that we sit in the blessing of those who've gone before us. And will we make a place of belonging by getting involved in tithing and giving so that those who are still to come, who are yet to be here, when they do find themselves in the house, they find an atmosphere of belonging because I've made a sacrifice, belonging sacrifices. Or will you sacrifice by opening your mind and just saying, hey, you know what, I've been closed to certain racial groups. I've been closed to certain political persuasions. I've been closed to whatever it is. But the sacrifice is, will I surrender my preference, my will, my ways? Will I sacrifice that to what God is asking of me so this house can be a house of belonging? 
Margaret Thatcher says this, no one would remember the good Samaritan if he'd only had good intentions. He had money as well. When it comes to creating a place to belong, love is the key. John 13, 35 says, this is how everyone will recognise that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. Jesus asked the expert, which one do you think was the neighbour? And the expert answered, the one who had mercy on him. Do you know what's interesting? Is the expert couldn't even say the word, the Samaritan. He said, the one that had mercy on him. Which means because he couldn't even bring himself to say the word, it means that you can hear the truth. You can agree with the truth, but still not change. Jesus answered the expert in the law, go and do likewise. And Leon Nikolai Tolstoy says this, everybody, everybody thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing themselves. To create a place of belonging, life Adelaide, we may need to adjust our attitude. We probably need to adjust what we're focusing on. Stop seeing what's missing. Stop seeing the chemicals that are on the kitchen bench that you've spent hours putting away and start to see the flames. See behind what's really going on. And the good news this morning is we don't have to do this alone. We have an opportunity to invite God. Say, God, you love the whole world, which includes me, includes my neighbour, includes those I've not yet met. I want to ask you to come in and help me to be able to love my neighbour as I love myself. And I just want to potentially ask, there's possibly some of you here, loving others starts with loving God first. And maybe you're in the room this morning and you haven't got to a place where you have accepted God, where you've said, actually, I want to accept God's love towards me so that I can then reciprocate it to others. And I just want to encourage you. There'll be opportunity in the cafe afterwards. You can go into the Here to Help stand, see the team there. They'd love to answer any questions you have. If you're online, you can click on the link there. It'll take you to um, I Said Yes, which will give you an opportunity. We'd love to send you a Bible. We'd love to reach out to you and answer any questions that you have. If you're in the auditorium, you can scan the code. But church, there's an opportunity for us to make this a place of belonging for everyone. But it's got to start with us first. And I would love the opportunity to be able to pray for each and every one of us. So Father, we thank you for the truth and the message in your Word. And we just ask that you would start to work on us. We invite you to come and work in our hearts to highlight areas of where we've not created a place of belonging, where we've not been inclusive. Father, where we've not taken the time, where we've not taken risks. And Lord, where we have not been open and sacrificial to your needs over our own. And I just pray right now that you would highlight any little area to everyone 
who's online here in the auditorium so that we could deal with it in your grace and in your strength and become a house, a place of belonging for those you want to entrust to us, those who are not yet here that need a sense of knowing truly who you are. And all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.